You mean we're not potting right now? Now we are. Podcast start. Okay. All right. Oh, are we starting? Yeah, it's our dumb podcast. It is not very good, but it is long and dumb. It's our dumb podcast. It's the worst. It's our dumb podcast. Hey. Two dummies being dumb, and here we are. Hello, John Manning. Hello, Greg Er. I was just, um, <laughs> before we started, I was just raging about the fact that, uh, well, let's set it up correctly, that uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Brandon Flowers from uh, The Killers, and in the year 2022, he still called into Zoom from his phone, yes. and it sounded terrible. <laughs> and it was a great conversation, and he was lovely, but it's just funny, like, you really find out who's embraced technology and who hasn't when it comes down to that simple barrier of downloading an app and signing in. So, but you. Um, By the way, you can catch up on all of this information and the backstory to this on the PPODP, the pre post Ardum podcast, coming soon. <laughs> to our Patreon. Another P. Oh, the PPODPP. Make sure you follow it. There we go. Now we've done it. But um, yeah. It's starting, it's starting to sound like a password. Like, do you do that with your passwords where it's like, uh, my password is. Uh, X Brandon Flowers X and then it expires and you're like now it's XX Brandon Flowers XX and if after like a year it's like XXX times 12 squared Brandon Flowers 17 X's good and they're like now you need a number and you're like uh flowers with a zero and then there's no it's just you just reset it every time you log in right it's just like every single time you're like well guess i'm just gonna have to forget my password and try again or like the 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 special character that you have to add in there and you're like how do i where do i do that how do i do this and then you figure it out and you're so like slick about it that when you go to re-enter it later you're like i don't remember where i put that hashtag Anyway, um, spoiler, it's always at the beginning. <laughs> it's just really weird that I can complain about not that I can complain because hello, but yeah. um, it's just really weird the perspective that before the pandemic, just three years ago, there was no working from home. That was ludicrous unless you were fits in the mornings or whatever, right? And then beyond that, it was like, I remember wanting to get conversations guests for the public affairs show I did to do, um, what's it called, Skype with me, because it sounded so much better. And it was like, people were like, I cannot possibly be bothered to do anything but dial a phone. There is no way. You are crazy for even asking this. And then like three days into the pandemic, everyone was on Zoom, and it was like, business as usual, let's go, which boggles my mind. So the fact that we've, you know, I work from home every day now, and- interview all kinds of artists because they don't have to be freaked out about coming in in person because they're weirdos so they can just hop on zoom and we can have you know digital eye contact and then be able to talk to each other and have cues and everything we do it people don't see it on this but like we do it to be able to chime in on one another and to be able to can i ask you a question and stuff like that right and so the fact watch watch it's like this ready it's like this ready can i ask you a question can i ask you a question Abs- see how easy that was yeah absolutely go ahead and ask me a question do you now have do you have one now I do not okay, have a great. question. So, yeah, it just it boggles my mind that in just a couple of years the entire game changed and for the better significantly, but that we left some people behind. Yeah, Brandon Flowers being one of them, yeah. right? Like, but you had a good experience um, with is, him doing it, right? Yeah. So I had the same experience as you, or the same situation where it was uh, we're going to have him zoom in and we're going to chat and it's going to be great, and um, you know. He's kind of a, a tricky interview because he's very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweet as could be. And that's what makes it tricky because you don't, 
there are artists that you've probably interviewed. I know I have where they're shy and it's annoying and it's like, dude, come on, answer the question. Yeah. Right. Uh, she uh, wants revenge. Got it. Yes. Check. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and it's like, dude, I'm trying to help you amplify your message. Let's go. Like, give me something to work with here. Um, but he's such a nice guy that you're not re- you don't get really mad. You're more just like for me, at least I was it like really made me want to work hard. It's like I'm going to crack this nut because he's such a good dude. And I, I want I want him to come off as that doing the interview. Yeah. And um so we had to jump through a lot of hoops to even get him on the app. It was a very, that might've been the hardest part, right? <laughs> Which is crazy because it's like one of those things where like you think technology, some of these things are so easy to us, right? We're like, how can you not figure this out? But the other people, it's like, I don't understand this whatsoever. And I can give a pass to like Peepaw or something like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, I understand if my grandma's changing her Peepaw was able to get on to FaceTime at least. Like it was like, I, I feel like it's an option still, even for a dead guy who was 82 at the it time. It can happen. Yeah. It, yeah, it can work. You can make it work, right? Um, but anyways, so we got on the horn with him. It, it started to work. It worked out. Um, and he was super shy. And it was, um, he was so cool. And the best part about it was, so we did like, it, the way it worked is it was like <clears throat> just a regular like Zoom chat. And then we would bring in listeners to do like a virtual meet and greet, which was weird. Um, that part was weird, but it was cool for every. It's cool for them, right? Like that's pretty neat to jump into a Zoom and it's like, oh, there's your hero. Pretty neat. Additionally, like, like the awkward he, hellos. He, he doesn't have to like you can moderate it. Then you're not in a room where there's a listener, and if something goes weird, you have to like actually physically remove someone. You could just be like, hang up, <laughs> and like you're out. You can just boot people out if it gets too odd or if something weird happens. If there's any like helicoptering wieners or anything like that. You're like, bye bye. I got to be the, uh, I was the Academy Music Pit that could just play them out whenever I wanted to. It's like, okay, gotta go, goodbye. The musical muscle, everybody. <laughs> I would just stand on camera with my finger over like the delete button, just like st- <laughs> hovering. And as I, as the as they got more and more weird, I just, my finger would just go uh, lower and lower. And it's like, uh? you're getting close, you're getting close. Call in the Sandman. It was like, showtime at the Apollo. You're out of here. <laughs> you got your hook with you, your big like <laughs> hook on a, a I did my little on. dance. Yeah. <laughs> Did not do blackface, though. That would be inappropriate. <laughs> the porky pigging um, was a strange choice, though, John. I gotta... <laughs> I'm porky pigging right now. How would you know? <laughs> I, would, I don't. <laughs> do you want to know? No. <laughs> hard pass. Are you sure? <laughs> Smart. Hard, hard indeed. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up Brandon Flowers for one minute, and this is what we get. Listen, Mr. Brightside is forever, and I won't apologize for it, okay? <laughs> but so, um, the fun part about those was... Um, especially with him was in between these listener interactions, we kind of just were stuck together in this room, like a couple of weirdos. Right. And we got to talking and I was like, Hey, did you, um, I was like, do you have any like weird, have you picked up any weird hobbies while you're sure. in this, in this phase? And I didn't ask that question on the interview. Cause I feel like that was so hacky and like the first round of everybody doing zoom interviews, that's all anybody asked. And I generally try to, uh, because I'm a, a dick like that. I was like, I try to answer, ask questions that other people aren't asking. Yeah. I want to be different, right? Um, the artists like it better. And I just it, for everyone listening, that like, right. if you could ask them different stuff that they have to think about and answer. Like some some of these people are just showing up to do the press and they just want the five questions that everyone's asking because they have a prepared response. And they've done the media training and they just want to have a unified message across all things. But like a lot of these people are creative people. They're not sports stars. They're creative people. So if you can ask them to 
expand their minds a little bit or catch them off guard with something that can be real fun. Yeah. So I asked him, I was like, so, you know, like, you got any weird, like, because I just started playing the ukulele, uh, which, by the way, thank you for the ukulele. That really came in handy during the old pandemic. So I that's where that you. went. OK, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I started like learning the ukulele. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, it's something to do. And he's like, he goes, oh, yeah, dude, me and my sons build birdhouses. And I was like, what? That's all right. Good job. That is weird and random. That's what I was looking for. And then he proceeds to like, now he's comfortable with the internet all of a sudden. So he's like grabbing the laptop, walking around his house. And he's like, (laughs) so I'm getting like the grand tour of like Casa de Flowers, which was not the Wayne Newton house in Vegas. He'd already just, they had just moved to, well, they're back in Utah, right? Yeah. And um, I'll share the address in the the P-O-D-P if you want to stick around for that later so you can stalk him properly. Yeah, got it. Correct. Yes, something like that. Um, So, uh, He's like walking through his house and like turning the laptop around and like in his living room, he has it's like a workshop, like a, fuck, a woodwork woodworking shop. It was amazing. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, like this dude went from like, yes, no, my name is Jeff to like, hey, man, do you want to tour the house? Like, let me show you my workshop. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And all I could think of was like, this is the moment that like fan number one needs to be in. And I'm getting all the access. Like, this is the best time. This is like the greatest, one of the greatest interview moments in my life. And we're like goofing around. And then all of a sudden, like the, you know, the, the God voice pops in and going like, uh, Kevin is uh, joining the chat. His name's Kevin. He's from, uh, he's from Naperville. And like instantly, like laptop turns back around. He sits down. He, hi. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> like instant. Right back to like, I'm guarded. I have the walls up. I'm Rockstar. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for listening to my music. Go away. I have a lot. Not of, go away. That's not fair. But I've had a lot of opportunity, uh, similarly, to talk to Ben Gibbard, and he is delightful and wonderful and funny and all these things. But he is very worried about what we will talk about because he doesn't want anyone <clears> to be <throat> mad at him. <laughs> is what I think. And so, like, he told me a story that I won't share because he asked me not to, but a story about TikTok. And he was like, please, this is for off air only. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, I get it because if we get comfortable, I will just talk about these things, but I won't use it to make you look bad. I just want to like have real people conversations so we can understand who you really are. And if that's not what yeah. you want, then I'm totally down to abide by that. But yeah, same thing. I asked Gibber, and I was, you know, I was like, okay, so we're on the other end of this now. Like, what hobbies are you giving up that you started that you now are going to be back on the road and you won't have time for anymore let me guess bread baking and he goes yeah so i started baking bread and i was like oh look at you you are a bread baker he's like oh but 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 it was before the pandemic and i was like oh look at ben gibbard emo bread baker over here i did it before everybody i'm the hippest bread maker in the world and he was like hey now and so it's like those moments that you just try and find a little extra detail to a little, just to paint the person as a human being is so fun in that world. I just, I really enjoy it. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Hit me. Ask me a question. Who is your favorite interview? Or like, like maybe not your best, I'm, I'm not asking your best interview, but like who is like your favorite person to interview or one of your favorite moments when you're interviewing somebody? And then conversely. And I already know the answer to this, but what was your least favorite interview? I want to tear you apart. 
Was that worst? Oh, God, it's right up there, dude. I really, really... Oh, no, you know the answer to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a part of the answer. I feel like I was a part of the answer. You... I'm going to beep that out, but I'm. that was a real trash fire situation, which would have been fun. Okay. I'm going to start with worst because you brought it up. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, so we did a thing where we partnered with Amazon to stream an in-session performance with a band called the Pixies. Also known Perhaps as- Perhaps you've heard of them. One of two bands that I would, uh, that one of the members deserves to be in a fist fight with me. Like I like- there's only two bands that I want to actually go to blows, and one of them is the is Joey. What's his name from the Pixies? Okay. That being said, um, they perform this thing, and then they're like, "Okay, now the interview portion." And I'm like, "Oh, you want to talk about a hard band to talk to that don't like the fact that they're alternative royalty and they're really squirrely about it?" It's the Pixies. Okay, fine. So you and I, you're the pretty new guy to the station, I think, at the but, time. Dude, that was my first like. Public-facing appearance for oh, the radio Oh, lucky you! Like, Way to start on a great like, yeah. forward note there. Okay, time for the interview. Here's a microphone. Go on up there. By the way, we're streaming on the Amazon homepage. All of all of this information that just kind of came together there at the last second, and like we suspected it could happen, but like I followed up the day before to be like, "Is this happening?" And the answer was no. Fine. Okay. So, wow, this is cool. You're playing in, um, you know, a place where alternative music really blew up with grunge and everything like that. What significance does that hold for you? None. Okay. 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 So let's fumble through another question. Wow, this is going badly. John Manley, everybody. John Manley. Asks question, gets a sly look from Frank Black, and he goes, let's ask Joey. I'm like, all right, ask Joey if you don't want to talk. Because, like, this is interesting to to work through because I feel like we have very similar but different thought processes and, and, like, memories of this day. Because for me, like, the Pixies are a top three band ever for me. So, like, to be fresh in Seattle, to be on Amazon. Yeah. And to be interviewing the Pixies, I'm like, yeah. dude, I've made it. Holy crap. Like, I made it. I can't believe this is all happening. Like, this is the best day of my life, which quickly turned into the worst day of my life. <laughs> As like, you know, like we don't at this point, we don't have rapport. So we don't really it's doing an interview with multiple people is really hard. Yeah, it's really challenging. No one understands that. I always ask, give me one person from the band because Either you're leaving someone out or you can't you can't bond. You're just like trying to navigate yeah. so if they're two best friends and they want to hang out, fine. Like if you're interviewing twenty one pilots and both of them show up, I get it. But when there's four people on stage holding their instruments and then they're just like, interrupt this thing now, like oh, okay. Especially when it's not like uh, you know, if it's um if it's a band with like a really uh engaging lead singer, it's easier because you just kind of they'll just kind of be the front man yeah. and it's all right. But like, that's not the Pixies, right? Like that's the whole thing is Frank Black is not interested. Uh, I did another interview over Zoom for, with uh, Monoskin, this band that is everywhere. Yeah. Right yeah. And um, Damiano, they're Ita- they all speak Italian primarily and English is their second language. And Damiano's mostly at- because they're Italian. Yeah. And they're, um, <laughs> I wanted to try and speak a little Italian, but I would have been not in the room. It would have been very difficult. Um, I've been practicing for two years, though, so I feel like I could have said something. But anyway, um, I can now, I can now order pizza. <laughs> and so. <laughs> There they are on stage, and like the 
as you say, there's four of them sitting there, and you just want the singer who's the charismatic front man to just answer the questions while the rest of the band looks bored. But the drummer, and I can't tell if his English is bad or if he's just maybe like a simpler dude, uh, keeps trying to chime in. And then when he finally, when Damiano lets him chime in, he just says something and like, it doesn't hit with me and it certainly doesn't hit with the rest of the band. And they're annoyed with him for trying to talk. And it was like, it's this whole thing where like, I'm playing against dynamics that I don't understand at all because they, they right. we don't share a language and they're, they're brand new to this and they have their own working thing going on. And I'm in a different state. So they're like watching right. it on a screen. It's just totally terrible. But like, at least when you're in the room with someone, you think that they could like charm up to you and be able to understand the situation and be cool instead of choosing to fight. Yeah. And the Pixies that day absolutely chose violence from the get go. Yeah. So go back to your story. Okay. So they're being cantankerous. And that's that's putting it very mildly. So you say that we experienced it a little. We were we remember it the same, but it affected us differently. Yeah, I think the Pixies are annoying going into this. Right, I'm not like a Pixies fan. I don't have any reverence for classic alternative. I don't have for the people that paved the way. Like I just don't have any reverence for that. And I've always been like that, where I don't just because everyone says or teaches you that this is the these are the people that made it possible. I. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and so my like I only later in life learned to appreciate the cure for instance. Like I didn't yeah. I never cared about any of that stuff. For me, alternative started with Nirvana. And yeah. the forefathers of that don't matter. So the Pixies are up there and they're being annoying and like I'm terrified. I'm a lot more composed today than I was 10 years ago or whatever, but like, I'm terrified because it's going poorly. I don't like conflict at the time with dealing with artists like that because I don't want to hurt my own career. They're leaning in on it and I'm feeling like a disaster. I'm like having a panic attack on the inside. And so then this other guy can, that I don't really know, but I've known you, but you know, you can step in and try and help out and they're not cool to you either. And so this is your first exposure with people taking a chance on bringing you up here. For me, it's I'm having an internal meltdown and then it just goes as badly as possible. And I turn, I'm like, all right, well, they're going to play another song now and I'm going to go crawl inside my shell and hopefully die without (laughs) myself. And I come walking off the stage and there's our boss and he goes, ha, boy, could that, that couldn't have gone any worse. I've never wanted to hit a person <laughs> quite as bad as I wanted to hit a guy then because read the f- room. Yeah. Dude, be yeah. like, hey, fellas, that was rough. Sorry that we didn't help you set that up better. Instead, it was like, let's just laugh at the situation because that's all we can do. No, that's not all we could do. Buying me a sandwich afterwards doesn't make it better either. I, st- I like the guy tremendously, but like, and the in that moment, I wanted to like throw him in front yeah. of traffic with yeah. his family watching because I was so upset about the whole, and the Pixies too while we're at it, because I was so upset about the whole thing. Frank Black couldn't have been cooler, man, in terms of like when we met him, like just for a second backstage, took a picture, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I bonked into his guitar, I feel like a total donk for that. And I'm like, oh dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, yeah, I don't care even at all. And I'm like, okay, I should have known that that meant about me in general over the course of any period of time, specifically that day yeah. when we're going to be talking in 10 minutes that I'm not aware of. That was an overreaching comment, correct? Yes. That was a broad stroke, like a meta statement. Yeah, like, like, I don't care about any of this. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, like at all. So, boy, what a disaster. So that was my worst interview, I think. Yeah. 
ever. Um, the other yeah, thing that I, I think would... where I want to punch a person is when we were wrapping up uh, summer camp. Might have been that year or the next year or something like that. And uh, the Cold War kids are supposed to come on. And we have sponsors to thank and a crowd to thank. And this is our dumb show. And they're making $9 oh, yeah. to play it. And we're like, okay, thanks to Lexus of Tacoma and to the Greg Zotto and to the people who make that drink that don't exist anymore. And then Cold War kids are tired of waiting. So they just start playing and come out on stage and just they just cut our mic and they just take over. And that guy, that singer, looked right at me. I just interviewed him like an hour before. It went great. Everything was fine. I, he looked at me right in the eye like, this is my stage. Get out of here. And I was like, you are a, at best, crap band. And I hope that your continued success only brings cancer to your life because you're such a turd. I hope they hang you out to dry. Oh, get out of here! No. Nailed it. Boo. Nailed it. Podcast over. Press yeah. the button. God <laughs> damn it. That was brilliant. Dude, Thank you. <laughs> I like, hey, we're running long on stage. We're behind or whatever. Cut a song. You get paid either way, dude. Like, this is, you're not yeah. doing summer camp because of the huge paycheck. Like, you're, or like, you're not, um, you, you have to be into it and tolerant of a radio show. You can't, you can't. Like, this is the radio station who plays your music that helps spread your... Like, we're not paying you a ton, but also we're, like, getting you a ton of exposure, and you get to headline one night of the show, and congratulations, and this could be beneficial for everybody. Instead, you made it about yourself, dummies. So, anyway. What was your best What was your best interview? Oh, dude, this Or your favorite, is, this, Yeah, this is so tough, because um, I have these good experiences, and then I just forget, like, right away, the... I, like I, I don't I don't retain any of these things. If I could look at a list, I could tell you. Um, one that stands out that I thought about recently was I got to interview Bono on the phone, Whoa. and it cool. was right after the debacle with Apple, where they put the album on everyone's phone, and everyone got yeah. so unnecessarily upset about that. Just take it off, just okay. Um, the irony that that was like this horrible the fact that that was like how dare someone put something on my phone that i didn't know about now in 2022 it's like you literally go uh i'm gonna sign up for this app how many things am i going how many how much spyware is about to be put on my computer that i'm willingly going like well it's gonna happen so whatever right? i'm going to complain <laughs> about this on facebook like right dude so Talk to Bono. I wonder if I still have the audio somewhere. I don't know that I do, which is another huge problem of my career. Um, yes. But talk to Bono, and he was so cool. He had a sense of humor. He was making fun of himself. He was making fun of the band. He was making fun of that situation. It was like, it was almost like talking to like musical Robin Williams. Like, wow. He was just fun and sharp and. Just Harry, <laughs> and so friendly, and like, just like, you go in to talk to some of these big artists, and you don't know what you're gonna get yeah. from them, and suddenly he's just blows away all expectations, and you're like, oh, this guy loves that he gets to do what he does, and doesn't take it for granted at all in these moments, and it does isn't annoyed by doing radio phoners in Seattle from. Two thousand or five thousand miles away from his, like none of that. But he like made fun of the edge a little bit, like just like, just like he just so self aware and so down to earth, and that's all you can ask from people when they have success that they don't that they don't take it too seriously or they don't get locked in it. Um, another one that was yeah. really fun and pleasant 
was when Lord played at Deck the Hall Ball in 2014. Was that the show that you booked that you got no credit for? Um, and uh, no, that was the sh- that was the show right before I got there. Oh, okay. So with Arctic Monkeys and all that stuff. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So she's you know a 16 year old kid. Just every Deck the Hall Ball after that were the, was the ones that I booked and didn't get credit for. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> weak, weak, and so yeah, she's just a sixteen-year-old kid that um that is like living this rock star life and is blown away by the whole thing. And she came in and sat down, and she like she brought a box of like chocolate chili Altoids or something like that, or some candy or whatever, and she's like. She sat down. I was like, hey, it's really nice to meet you. You're just a child. Like, I get that. Like, I can, you know. And she sits down. She's like, look at what they left in my dressing room. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, it's a chocolate chili candy or whatever. She's like, you want to, should we try them together? And I was like, look at you bringing props to an interview. Like, she loved being interviewed and she loved having the, um, she's being interviewed and she's, oh, I know what my worst one was. Oh, man. She loved being uh, interviewed and she, like, just embraced all of it. And then, that finishes up. It's short, and she's very sweet. And then we go out to watch, uh, I think it was, oh, it was Phoenix who was playing. And at these shows, there's, like, where all the crowd is, and then it's, like, gated off. There's, like, a little side stage area. It's not on the stage, but it's down on the floor that, like, we have access to. So people, like, that are, like, artists can come watch and that stuff. And so I look over, and she is there watching Phoenix, and she's bouncing around like a 16-year-old at a rock concert. She and her, like... The a boyfriend or dude that she had with her, you know, are like they're like kids at a show, and like I, she would have killed to be out in the crowd getting the crush on and stuff, you know. But she did the best she could there, and it like the whole experience really made my heart feel good for like to just see somebody living both sides of the life at the same time. Really neat. That's super. How about cool, you? Man. What's your best? I like that. Um, or a best. God, I think about that Meg Myers fluffy bunny thing so much. Oh God, that was or ch- chubby bunny. Is that what it's that, called? Uh, something. Yeah, chubby bunny or something yeah, like that. Where, where uh, the joke is, you try to eat, you put like a hundred marshmallows in your mouth and then you try to say things. Um, for those of us, for those of you listening, you remember that commercial? The yeah. gut milk with the the guy who's the biggest Hamilton fan, and they're like, "Okay, yes. Exactly like that. Um. My favorite, I mean, Meg Myers, so you know, hot, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's pretty I mean, weird now, but that's all right. She Good what? for her. Live your, live your truth. I said she's pretty weird now, but whatever. Live your truth. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I mean, I'm lucky in that. Like, I think my best has to just be the, the Tom Morello show oh, yeah. thing, where um, it was his last record where he went on tour, but he couldn't really tour on the album because like it's a compilation record, so like he can't really bring. Killer Mike and Portugal the Man and uh, 900 other artists out for these songs. So we kind of did like an inside the actor studio thing. Um, and I got to host that. I don't know if that I, I don't know if I consider that an interview, though, because like legitimately I had a script like yeah. legit. Like I didn't really have to do anything other than go. I heard you were once a male stripper. I didn't I didn't know that. Like I make it sound like I did. But like they tell me to say these things. Yeah. right? And then he tees him up and he has a slideshow presentation. But Maybe not my best interview or my favorite, but most certainly the coolest experience, right? Like to be in front of a sold out croc yeah. 
and like I'm the damn host. Like this is crazy. Like this is amazing. Um, so that's got to be the coolest one. Um, you know, I always like interviewing. Uh, go ahead. You know who I have the mo- utmost respect for? What you said, just getting to be a host. I think that um, one place that my career could shine more. I've, I've had tremendous success and I'm very grateful for all of it but, but great success I always thought that especially on this show or like when we did the soccer broadcast and stuff yeah that if I'm allowed to host or play the straight man um that can quip a little bit it's really strong for uh, it's a really strong position for me and I really yeah. enjoy that experience and the person who's the best at it that's of our generation is that Dave Farah he just Farah, sit down yes. behind whatever production he needs to and just host its face off, man. And I have just the utmost respect for how cool he was. I took his job in Vegas after they were all let go, and like he couldn't have been nicer to me about it when I were. Yeah, he I was took like, it back, so it's okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Maybe he could take Portland too. Oh, hey now, hey. that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah, so it's um when you say that, like I. I hope that further along in my career, I can do more of the setups. Like, so to your point, you're like, it wasn't really an interview. I read a script or whatever, but that's still an interview. Of it's it's just a type, and being yeah. able to execute it well is still a skill. And for it to go well, and for you to walk away and being like, wow, that was fun, that's like a for me, that's a huge positive because that translates out to the audience. If you guys are having yeah. a good time, and even if you don't pick the questions or if you pre-write them or whatever. If it comes across as like a good time, as a person that is hosting something or like has a guest with them, that's a really big success and it feels really good. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, because, yeah, at the end of the day, your job is to entertain, right? Yeah. Like I want to I want to get certain things out of it on a personal level right. because I want to be I'm the same as you. Like I have always I feel like I've always been a very good interviewer. Um because I pay attention and that's all that's the kind of the trick of the whole thing yeah. which is funny is like it seems like so obvious but it's kind of the tr- it's it's a hard thing to do because you're you're nervous you're amped up you have your list of questions that you want to ask so a lot of times especially when you start off doing interviews you're not really listening to the other person you're just waiting for them to finish talking so you can ask the next question and all you can hear is that your own heartbeat in your ears as you're spiraling towards an anxiety fueled panic attack because in the moment it's terrifying I'm Get out of my head <laughs> <laughs> so you've done these before <laughs> um so I've always like that's I, I always kind of pride myself I'm like I think I'm a good interviewer and I'm thinking about this. I'm just kind of talking through this so I can yeah, think yeah. of my favorite interview while we stall here. But um, I think my favorite interviews are the ones that like you'll never hear because I um, I, tr- I started this. I had this podcast idea that uh, uh, nobody wanted to actually help me with. So it was a daunting procedure to try to get off the ground. But right. it was kind of a it was basically a, a, a podcast where it was a long form interview with an artist about their lives through music. And it would always start with what's the first song you remember and it would always end with what song changed your life. Because I feel like everyone has a handful of songs that they heard them and like the world was different afterwards. Like it smells like teen spirit or something on a personal level. Right. Right. And I always thought it would be an interest. I always thought that was like you never get a chance to actually hear bands tell you that kind of stuff anymore. Because now it's just like the, the tertiary like dumb morning show host question. Are you on tour? How's that going? Where do you like to eat when you're in Chicago? 
all right, see him tonight at the Chicago Theater. You know what I mean? Right. Like, who cares? And I used to get really mad when it was like, you know, like the Matt Pinfields and the Howard Sterns and the, the Zane Lowe's get all the big interviews. And I was like, this is crap, man. Like, I'm good at this. Like, I'll show you. No one's so more I tried annoying put- than Zane Lowe. Man, like, I, he does Dude. a good job, but like, he gets, he's too... He wants to be in on it so bad, singing and playing instruments. Like, just get out of the way, dude. Yeah, totally, totally. So I started these. I, I started this like podcast series, um, and I interviewed a couple of bands. And like, the proof of concept was there. I just didn't have the bandwidth to be able to do it on my own. Takes a lot. You wear a lot of hats in the radio world, and I was wearing too many at the time. And I was like, I can't do this. And I'm not giving up ODP. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not giving that up. So like, there's no way I, I just didn't have the time to do it. So those were probably the ones that were like the best because those were like the ones where it really, truly felt just like me and whoever was across the mic. We were just talking and it was like super cool. And to watch bands and artists like open up on that, you know, and like get them to just be Greg, not Gregor. You're just Greg. Yeah. Um, it was really cool because that's always kind of a challenge, right? I always kind of look at that as a challenge whenever I interview anybody. I'm like. I'm going to see if I can turn them into a person and that's going to be cool. And if it, if it happens, then I've won and I don't really care what happens afterwards. Right. Um, so yeah, it's hard to pick a, a favorite, uh, least favorite for sure. That Pixies show, because of all the things that we already talked about. And for me, they were like my favorite band. So, you know, it's the never get too close to your heroes because they will disappoint you. And it was like, I knew Frank was going to be tricky or Charles, or whatever you want to call him, um, because I did my homework, right? Like, I knew that that was a scenario. So I was sort of prepared for it. I was not prepared for him to just deflect everything. And then for, like, again, like, I don't know you well yet. So, like, this thing's starting to get a little contentious, and I can feel it, right? And I'm, like, so then I'm, like, all right. If you couldn't feel it, you'd be an idiot. Yeah, right, right. So, like, I'm, like, all right, I'm going to try to step in here, but, like, I, again, I don't know you well enough to go like now I would easily just like kind of give you the eyes like yeah. stand down. I'll just yeah. I'll just finish. I'll take this home for us. Don't worry about it. But at that point, I couldn't do that. Right. I'm like, this is the this is the morning show host. I am like nobody. I can and I can't do that. Like I kind of I can try. But like I can't I can't again. I can't give you the cue to like just stop, dude. I'll take care of it. Just I'll let you t- I'll let you take us home, but like I'll handle the rest of this. Even though like so like I'm trying to navigate through that with that added pressure of like I don't know this guy, so I can't I don't and I don't want to step on him. I know my place in the hierarchy of this. Like just be cool, don't do anything bad. And then it's just going completely off the rails, and it finally at like mercilessly ends. And I just remember walking up that line, the, the, shaking everybody's hands, and I was like, I totally like ghosted Joey, like shook Frank's hand, shook the other guy's hand, and I got to him, and I just, I just nodded. It's exactly like, what he wanted, right? Oh yeah, and I could have killed him, and then yeah, the, I mean, it went honestly like it went from worse to like worser, but also in a way like really great because same thing. Like I walk off stage, and there's poor <laughs> goes, woof. That was rough. Yeah, dude. And I was just like, do you want me to... I have not unpacked yet. Do you want me to go back to Las Vegas? Because I can leave right now. <laughs> like, God, I wanted to... Oh, I got to beep that because I've been... 
anyway. And I know he's cool. I know it's cool. And I know he's like, he's fine. Okay. Right? Like, I know all of that, but it was like. No, no, but dude. it's in that moment. It's just, you just need to be able to go process. You need to go step outside and be, um, be okay. Like, you need to just recover and then it'll be fine. But like, yeah, that first thing you hear can't be like, you suck. Like, yeah, I know I suck, dude. I was up there. Like, you didn't have to be up there, you turd. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I um, I I think my other worst, my other worst was uh, one of the last interviews I did. I did uh, Maynard. Oh, what? And yeah, <sighs> and he's another one that's like notoriously not. He does not it on purpose, to, though. Like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he delights it on in purpose it. too, but he likes making you squirm. Yeah, and he did. He did that, and I was really pissed because he said something. Um, because he's doing this this pussifer thing, which no one cares about. No. Um, tool fans pretend and, to like it, but it is not good. Correct. It's yeah. Shout out to my buddy and, Todd, who's gonna try fist fight me now. Sub dummy. Um, so. I had learned that he was on like one of the first like public appearances of Maynard was on um, Mr. Show, which I hold like really dear to my heart. I think that's one of like, the funniest sketch comedy shows of all time. It's very weird. Yeah. It's like the precursor to all of the like Adult Swim and Tim and Eric and I think you should leaves of the world. Like this is the comedy sketch show that sort of spawned all of that. If you want my honest opinion. Yeah. And when it was bad, it was really bad. But when it was good, it was like this, like some of those sketches are still funny to this day. Oh, so yeah. I really geeked out on this because I was like, holy crap, like I love this dude and like Bob Odenkirk and like there's a, there's a, I, you know, I feel like I found a thread that I could tug on and like we could actually go somewhere with this. And boy, did we not. And at some point in the interview, he said like, well, if you'd have done your research, you would know this. And I wanted to just like... I've done my research. I did my research. You're just being a dick. Like there, this is not on me. You're just being a prick here. I was. So, I. I. I literally. I've never done this before. It's probably one of the most unprofessional things I've ever done on an interview. But I was like, okay, let's just talk about your wine. What's going on with that? And like, I think it. It, it kind of put him on his heels. And then, of course, he didn't care. So he just went into his wine thing. Yeah. That that also yeah. no one cares about. Like people pretend. Also, I know a bunch of people right. who don't drink wine that are like, "Oh, I I'm a wine drinker," because and that was you know 15 years ago or whatever. But like, uh, when Maynard's on stage and he's like just doing this show to help pay for the new wing on my winery, correct? I'm like, you are. It's so exploitative and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, so I kind of did that, and then of course we rap, and then like her, his stupid little handler jumps on, and she's like, that was one of the best interviews I've ever heard him do. You, you were great, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, I'm like, it. I didn't, I never, I never even aired it. It just, it just died. I never played it. Good. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, good. Like, yeah, I was like, f this. Knowing what you terrible. know now, that you would end up getting out of the industry and working, um, you know, industry adjacent rather. Do you wish Correct. you would have just told him to like called him out and been like you're a prick? Or are you happy that you didn't? Um, no, I'm happy that I didn't because I was never that person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, you and don't I gain anything never, by creating that no, conflict. No, unless I wanted to go like 
I hate to use this term, but like, unless I wanted to be like shock jockey, right. Or, you know, or provocative. I never really wanted to do that. I kind of wanted to just be fun guy that. Yeah. Fun and funny. Is a music dork, just like you guys. Yeah. I've got a a couple good jokes, I think once in a while. Um, so no, I, I I don't regret not doing it. it. Because whatever, you know what I mean? Like if you don't, if you don't want to play nice, then that's fine. You look more like a dick than I do. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, no one goes like, boy, manly, that was a terrible interview and it was your fault. Right. Right. It was, it's more like, (laughs) except for Maynard. Right. Um, but anybody that would have heard that wouldn't have, if they were being honest, they wouldn't have said that. Right. Like I know like a tool family, like you're such a dork. That's your fault. You're such I could have done better. Right. Of course you could have. Sure you can. But, um, you know, those are those moments where it's like, why are we, why are you even here? Like, what why are you do you here? do this interview if it's if if it doesn't do anything positive for you? Like, you're wasting your time, man, and you could be making so much money not wasting your time, but instead you chose to waste it. And like, what is like, what is the what's the benefit of that? It's fine to be, uh, you know, who uh, Jerry Cantrell. He's a kind of a gruff dude, and he's um, and he's not super positive or fr- a little prickly or whatever. But it's part of his character and he knows that he has to do press and what the benefit is from it. So he does it and he can be fun and funny without necessarily being like, I don't walk away from, I've gotten to talk to him a couple times and it's gone fine. But like he, I don't walk away going like that. That guy's cool. We like really locked in there, but I did walk away going that went well. And so that's, that's yeah. fine. If you're a jerk, but you make it go well, then I can live with that. Or if you want to belittle me, but you give me good answers, okay, I can live with that too. The To your credit, to not jump on him and not be a jerk, all that does is when you look back, you don't have to have any regret about it. You don't have to like think, like, I should have, if I was more, if I had my act together a little bit better, I wouldn't have stooped to his level of being a jerk. I would have continued. Instead, you took his cue of him being mean, and you just changed the subject to what you knew he wanted to talk about. And you'll ever, you'll forever be able to look back on that and be like, I was the better person that day. Not that that's important, but you don't look back and go, I was the worst person that day, which for me fuels a lot of how I behave. I hate to use that uh, uh, stupid, you know, punch up or whatever, but. I think that's that's always my thought process with those things where it's just like if he's going to be the worst, there's no reason I also have to be the worst. I can just continue to be the good guy and do what I do and hope that if it goes sideways and someone hears it, they go, well, it's, it's not that guy's fault. You know what I mean? Like he's just asking questions. That's all. He was just doing his job yeah. versus, you know, I mean, I guess now in the age of digital media and things of that nature, it's like maybe it's a good idea to poke the bear if it happens, you know, uh, because you'll get great content out of it. But, but I'm not interested never... in that at all. Like, I know that, that that's my job is to try and generate those things, but I don't, I want to build rapport, ask a question, let it breathe. And if they say something great, then let's get some attention for the great thing that they said. I don't want to bring people out in a negative light in order to get attention. It's not, it's just not my it doesn't do anything for me. Even if we get a million views on something, if it's because it's contentious, I'm only going to dwell on it because I don't want to be that source for people. I want to be the positive source where someone's really nice to me because they respect yeah. respect me or the job we're doing. I, I, I often think about journalists who have to ask tough questions and how asking the tough questions 
about a situation or a um, policy or something like that, if you ask it, you might be considered an, uh, a jerk. You might be like, you might get painted in like a light of. To me, it's not building rapport. It's finding something out. And so, if you ask a hard question, you get an answer out of it. Then it's a. Then you like have excelled as a journalist. There's no build. You don't have to like chum up to somebody to find out about something and hope that they'll open up a little bit. You're like, why did this happen on Tuesday the 14th at 6 a.m.? And someone has to give you the response. I like, I respect people who are in that position, that or I maybe envy a little bit, because it's a little more direct. It's not as fun, and it's it has to be significantly more boring, but I still am a big fan. Now, I thought yeah. about one other interview that went really well for me that was a transitional period for me. I was, um, was going... It's going through some internal stuff, right? And um, Taco Bell. Yeah, it was three nights in a row, man. It was awesome. God, I'm you're playing. You're playing with literal fire sauce yeah, at that point. Fire sauce. <laughs> um, and I had to do a. Or, excuse me. Let me change that language. That I, joke wasn't great, but in my world, that really killed. That really killed. John, it was amazing. <laughs> I just knew you were gonna say it. That's the difference. And I was. I didn't want to get Thank sidetracked. You. Thank you. I had a meeting with um. Uh, a guy that works worked with us for a long time, um, and I kept cutting in and like sidetracking him with stuff. And he would hold up a hand and be like, "Hold on, I need to finish that thought." And he would like get the rest of it out, and then we would move on or whatever. But like that's not how conversation goes. Conversation is two people communicating, and so kudos to him for being able to remember what he needed to keep talking about. But also, like, um, it's funny because I get I can get so easily. On a tangent. Anyway, um, I was given the opportunity to talk to Jack White, and regardless of like what you think about Jack White's music and stuff like that, he's a figure. The guy's like a powerful, not powerful, but like he like is a presence in the rock and roll music world, and he's not yes. to be messed with. And I took that so seriously. I'll never forget. I went up to Edmonds, and I sat at the ferry dock there on a sunny day, and I just thought for like an hour about how the interview would go and I took it really seriously and I wrote a bunch of questions and then I organized them into like kind of four sections of how I wanted it to go. I typed it all out, I color coded it so I knew I could jump to something easily. I was like it's the most prepared I've ever been for an interview where I wasn't asking just corny questions about like what's this like what's that. And I sat down with him and he was very serious, very straight-browed and like he like listens and then he like thinks and he gives me his answers and one of the things I asked him, I was like, I'm afraid of whatever, like, I can't remember what it was, but what is Jack White afraid of when it comes to being a musician? He goes, oh, man, I I don't have any fears. Like, you can't. I, you, there's no time for that. You just got to keep going. And he gave me some, like, really nice Jack White-like answer. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, um, he put down the microphone and he goes, that was good. Not a, hey, man, or whatever, but, like, just... It wasn't like a, yeah. I'm going to give this guy a compliment. He like like he was proud of himself for how he did. Maybe even was it and took and he immediately started talking to our buddy Andrew because Andrew has cool tattoos. You know, not the dork that was interviewing him. But in that moment, I was like, I'm not trying to be friends with Jack White. I'm not trying to be cool with Jack White. I don't need him to remember me next time he's around or whatever. That's not the goal here. The goal was to get a good interview that we could use, and I nailed it. Every part of it went exactly how I needed it to, and I felt like the amount of effort I put into it was reciprocated by a guy who saw me taking him seriously. And to me, that was professionally so satisfying, and it was a, it was a huge turn in my life for my abilities as a broadcaster, like a confidence thing. My, um, um, my, I knew I was transitioning at that time, 
into being a morning show host. And um, I wasn't getting much support with it. It wasn't like very structured and it was difficult. So it kind of fell on me to figure out how to make it happen. And in that well, moment, people I was were like, less open to those things back in those days. <laughs> and, and so I don't think that they're much more open to it. And at least around here they are. But anyway, P P O D P B T Q plus. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was that moment. And then th- that was at the same time I started dating Lori. And that was at the same pretty Lori. And then like life. Shout out to pretty Lori. Yeah. Sup dummy. And um, that took my life took a really confident, positive turn for like a few years until I the pandemic that. happened. And that was so that was like really significant. I'll say that Jack White was the best interview I've ever done. I go with that. I appreciate that. And I approve it. Uh, yeah, there's really nothing better than um, there's nothing better than than when an artist goes. That was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, because you know they don't. They you know they got they walked in that room going like I can't believe I have to do this. You know. Yeah. You're like I, I can't believe you have to do this either. But here we but here we are. I can't believe I got to try to make you enjoy it. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I talked to Anthony yeah, Kiedis are, and I was like, When's the last time you went to like Target? And he was like, Stop! Oh, he got like, freaked out. He's like, What is this like a sponsored thing? And I was like, no, man, it's just hard to imagine you being able to walk into a Target without being recognized. And he was like, it was very put off. I was like, it's okay. We don't have to talk about Target, man. It could be Walmart, the grocery store, Ralph's. When's the last time you did that? And he was like, I don't know, man. And I was like, all right, <laughs> Anthony Keyes, everybody. He was very nice, to be fair. He was willing to take two pictures also, so that was nice. I saw Mike McCready at Target, for real. Twice. Not once. Twice. Uh, I think and I can never look him. I can never look him in the face because I made such an absolute goon out of myself the one time he came to studio. Oh my god! I got duped many years ago into seeing this band of kids, and because someone told me that the the kid playing guitar was Mike McCready's son, and I was like, "All right, I'll go," because maybe he'll be there. He was not, uh, and the reason he was not there is because that was not Mike McCready's son. Mike <laughs> McCready's son was like three years old. <laughs> So the one, you know, everybody that listens knows like a Pearl Jam dork. We already that's been established. So Pearl Jam's in studio. Mike McCready's there. The year before it was just stone. And we had like the greatest moment of all time together. And then so now after doing that once, second time around, I'm bold and I'm like, all right, I'm cool with Pearl Jam. I'm not nervous anymore. And I go up to Mike and I was like, Mike, man, really great to meet you. I go, you know, it's crazy is like a few years ago, like I saw your kids band and it was amazing. And he's looking at me like, what in the F are you talking about? Like oh, He was no. like legitimately insulted, right? Oh, no. And he goes, dude, what are you talking about? My kid's three. Oh, no. And I just looked at him and I was like, clearly I was duped. Have a good day, sir. <laughs> I, just, like, I shall now retreat and save any more yeah, casualties. Like, there was no backpedal. There was no try to work my way through this. No laugh it off. It was sheer pure terror it's maybe the last time i felt pure terror like i was like i am the biggest idiot of all time i'm gonna leave this room as fast as i can and i'm never coming back and sure enough from that point forward i'd see mike mccrady everywhere i went and he knew it was me and i knew it was him and it he looked at me like don't you come over here and i looked at him like i'm not coming over there don't worry (laughs) Oh, this is fun, man. We there's a lot of good stories here. I'm sure if we like really thought about it, we could think of a million more people that we talked to that were 
that were cool. Um, well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll think about it and we'll post it in the P O D P, which will never happen. Stay tuned. You've been listening to our dumb podcast. You're smart, smart like a fox. Wait, what? Email these idiots, rdumbpodcast at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Follow them on Twitter at rdumbpodcast or at heygregor and at manchild1077. It's a trap! Our Dumb Podcast is brought to you by... PPODPPLGBT. Now with more Anthony Kiedis.